what is the state of the church address? It is somewhat familiar because of the state of the union. It is a practice, though, more so biblically, to remember the Lord our God. And we are probably more accustomed to our State of the Union address, where there are reflections on what has happened over the past year within our nation, whether good or bad. And, and I, I can feel you all tensing up. Um, this is not going to be a political uh, uh, discourse this morning. So everyone just relax. Uh, this is the state of the church, not the state of our union. And I want to start us off by letting you know that uh, you're going to see multiple videos, a revisiting of some of what has happened within our church body through the Lord this past year. But over the next few minutes, it's my privilege and my responsibility to remind us how has God been very present in our midst. And I would be remiss if I didn't go to the very highest level of priority, which is His kingdom. What has happened within the kingdom of God over the, the past year through Concord Bible Church? Let me start with this. We have these lights that are back here. And many churches have these Edison bulbs because they look cool. They're really cool looking. And uh, we hang them just low enough so that our bass player can hit his head or at least fry the top of his head um, with no matter what side of the stage he's on, um, he, he's in peril. I wish I could say to you that all of these lights were lit this year, but they're not. Here's why I wish I could say that. We don't just have these lights here. As a matter of fact, it's fascinating when we do have in-person services over the years, we have had individuals that have visited on a particular Sunday that have come in and said, hey, you know, those lights are really cool looking, but you need to turn the rest of them on. And I simply respond by saying, brother, you're preaching. You are preaching. And then I have the dubious opportunity uh, to share with him the intent, the intentionality of what those lights represent. You see, we light one light every time someone from our church body shares Christ with an individual around them, and the light of Christ comes into their life. The representation of these lights behind you is a representation of the spiritual health of our church carrying out the mandate from Christ to go into the world. In Matthew 5, it's on our, it's on our, our labeling, our branding, our logo, Matthew 5, where it talks about be the city on the hill, be the salt of the earth, be the light in the darkness. And so it is my pleasure to be able to look and say, first and foremost, 
We have over half of those lights lit this year, and that's tremendous for a church our size. We have seen God work through our church body to change the reservation list in the kingdom. That I have great and immense pleasure to announce to you today. So, with that, I have to move rather quickly because there's a whole lot that we need to look at. First, I want you to understand that my premise today is that Jesus is faithful. Jesus is faithful. And like uh, a, a fellow preacher um, that uh, can preach me under the table any day of the week, uh, Dr. Lockwood, I'll follow up Jesus is faithful with, I wonder if you know him. I wonder if you know him. Because I can't imagine going through what we have gone through and what we potentially will be going through in 2020 and now 2021 without experiencing the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Let me ask these questions. What would happen if the ability to meet together would be relegated by our government? You know, it's interesting to look at these words by Dr. Cook. It was recorded in September of 2019, and yet he talked about the crazy world we live in. Little did he know, or anyone else at that time, where we were heading. Little did we know that churches all over the world would be restricted in our ability to have community together, to worship together, and yet the beauty of it, my friends, is this. We are still the church and Jesus is still on the throne and his work has not been void. So we kind of know the answer to this question, don't we? What if the ability to meet together would be relegated or regulated by our government? Second question, what if there was a worldwide pandemic that could affect millions of lives? You know, that was all stuff of movies until this year, and now we're in it. What if our schools would be shut down? We never would have imagined that happening. And yet some of you are groaning. <laughs> some of you are excited. You've been real excited about the, the school system, but most of you are groaning. What if we would see our cities burn? Innocent people die. What if our government leaders were an embarrassment? Hateful, greedy, egotistical, power-hungry, and arrogant. I can hear the amens right now. Let me just share with you. I don't normally tell you how I vote. I'm going to say it right now because of what I just said and because I have a deep concern about where we're at with this, this is the only time I'll speak to this unless asked. I wasn't just talking about our current president. Someone challenged me this past year about our current president and said that character counts. I absolutely agree, so I did not vote for him. But I also did not vote for President-elect Biden because character counts. Most politicians are liars. Most politicians are greedy. Most politicians, when backed into a corner, are hateful. Most politicians are egotistical, power-hungry, and arrogant. And if we haven't realized that at this point in time, 
and we're letting that divide us from family, friends, and faith, we're getting played. The reason I say this, and I take a time out to pause, is to share with you, if we don't have a biblical view of what's going on in our world, that this has nothing to do with Republican versus Democrat or Libertarian or whomever. It has to do with sin and it has to do with righteousness. And until we start looking at it through those eyes, my friends, you are getting manipulated, I'm getting manipulated, we're getting played, and we're being divided. And that has nothing to do with the church. We have one king, and it's Jesus Christ, and he is faithful. So no matter what has happened this past year on the political landscape, it has not affected my joy in my king. But I will pray and I will support the president-elect, and I encourage you to do the same, because that is what Jesus has asked of his people. And I'll reference that in just a minute. There, that's as political as I'm going to get. Now you can all breathe and we're going to move forward. What if a close family uh, member or friend had died because of our arrogance or our fear this year? I had somebody that's part of our church thank me, along with a family member of theirs, for how we have chosen to modify what we have been doing even today. And they chose to go that route and thank the church leadership because uh, the visiting family member came from a church our size in a different part of the country that completely ignored the virus. And in a small church, they had over 20 people as of two months ago, 20 people contract the virus, and they now have five people that have passed away from it. There's no room for us to argue over political issues or personal preference or opinion when it comes to the state of the church. God has given us a mandate so that we can live in the midst of a pandemic. But there are many who have suffered this past year because of a family member or a friend who has passed away because of the virus. What are we doing? How has the church reacted? Where has the church been in the midst of a terrible, terrible pandemic? What if our families were fragmented Marriages were maligned. People close to us were suffering so deeply that they were ready to take their life. This is what I call the shadow of COVID. We have the death. We have the struggle, the health issues. We have the, economic, or, or, or the, the particulars connected specifically to those who've contracted the virus. But we also have many, many more who have suffered from the shadow as I call it, the shadow of COVID-19. Whether they have lost their businesses, whether they have lost their jobs, whether they have been so isolated that they have been depressed for the entirety of 2020, 
even to the point of wanting to take their own life. This past summer, I was counseling with three people who were in that state of mind. Never before having suffered in that kind of a dynamic. And yet, I thank the Lord because He is faithful that I was able to help them see the Lord Jesus Christ. Not anything I could do, but I was able to help them get their minds back onto He who is faithful and to remember the Lord their God. And all three are thriving. I've counseled multiple marriages, some within the church, some without the uh, outside the church. And those, those marriages... Four out of the five that I have counseled are, are thriving again. But they had gotten depressed because of the shadow of COVID-19. It's been a hard year. So without doubt, the church is under pressure. Whether in the past, historically, the church has faced these kinds of problems in the past. Whether it's currently, 2020, how does that affect our nation? How does that affect the world? How does that affect the church? How does that affect the church here at CBC? And then let's consider how we will react in the future in light of what 2020 was like. Let me encourage you to go down a little bit of a, of a reminiscing of some key scriptures we looked at this year. And then I'm going to hand you one for this coming year. Remember what scripture we started with when the virus became real. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. And this is a passage that was bandied around pretty easily uh, earlier in, the, in my lifetime. And it was safe for us to talk about this. Because in America, in my lifetime, it never really became a reality. It never became such a challenge that I was going to have to forcibly wrestle with the tension of what it meant when my government restricted my ability to worship or the church's ability to worship. What would I do in the midst of that? Well, this is a year where I was tested. This is a year where you were tested. Let's look at the instruction on this. Again, 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17, and it's, it's not new scripture. We, we started here in March. Peter says this to the church at that time who was suffering desperately under Roman tyranny. And he says this, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Only if you agree with it. And only if it doesn't take away your personal rights. And only if it fits your nomenclature, your view, your... It doesn't say any of that, does it? It says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Folks, this is a mind bender, right? This is a polemic. How do we subjugate ourselves as the church to a human institution that neither considers God's economy, but in some ways is antithetical to it? How do we do that? We do it with reasonableness. We do it until those subjects, those authorities, those rulings 
are a prolonged counteraction to the very gospel itself. We've not reached that point. We can still worship together. It may not be what we want. It may not be convenient. But you heard my term reasonableness. That is another passage. It's in Philippians that really has guided my personal and and the elders' personal uh, decision-making process here at CBC in 2020. How have we decided to either have in-person or broadcast only or shift all of our services to in the evening during the summer program? It was that verse in Philippians where it says, let your reasonableness be known to all. We are accountable to this instruction. I read to you out of John 14 that Jesus himself says, if you love me, obey my commands. There's no no insertion, there's no addendum there that says, as long as it fits with my opinion or my comfort level. He says, if you love me, obey my commands. And one of the commands is be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. It says, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. This has been the desire of your church leadership, is that we not be accounted as foolish people when we get to the end of this thing. We want to be reasonable, and as long as we can create an avenue where you are spiritually fed, you are encouraged, you can worship And in some way, shape, or form, you can have some community because that is important. We will continue to listen to the health department, to the advisement of our governor, to the advisement of the federal government because the Lord asks us to. The Lord will create a way. He always does. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. And here is a key point. Live as people who are free. How do we do that in 2020? Have you felt free this year? More than any time in my life, I have felt in, what do we, we have a term for it, lockdown. Now, I know in California where I am, we are currently at stay at home. We are in lockdown instructions unless you actually visit Target. Then you realize what lockdown means versus the letter of the law. It's really confusing. And this ambiguity is where people get frustrated. But Jesus is saying through his apostle Peter that we can live as people who are free, truly free, free indeed, regardless of a pandemic, regardless of the racial tensions, regardless of who's in charge of the government, regardless of all of that, you can be free through Jesus Christ because he is faithful. There's no ambiguity in Jesus, none. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. Wow, some heavy stuff, brother. 
some heavy, heavy stuff. Let me continue on with another passage that we looked at out of 2 Timothy 1-7. through this was, this was the burning scripture in late March throughout churches. It says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And we say amen to that. But I would simply ask, have we as the church been acting in fear? Or have we been acting as those who are free? Have we been acting as those over this past year personally, on a personal level, as those who are subject to emotions, to circumstances, or are we acting as those who know the end of the story and the glory that is waiting for us in Jesus Christ? And because our minds are fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith, every day we can live as those who are free. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Let me ask this question to set up this next passage, which we haven't talked about this year. What if you were alone this year? What if you were alone? We have multiple church family members that are single and they've been alone through this endeavor, through this tension. And I cannot imagine how hard it's been for you. I have family, as a matter of fact, my family increased. What God had for us was for us to move in with my in-laws in a a neighboring community. And now in a sarcastic level, but not a sarcastic level, in a very beautiful way, we now have a Brentwood campus for Concord Bible Church. And it's been a privilege to have people that have been so far out from our physical campus that we've been able to have in our home when allowable and that we've, we've connected together um, through life group. But I think about those who have been alone throughout this endeavor. One of those individuals I referred to that found themselves incredibly depressed because of the events of this year, they ended up on my porch this past summer and revealed to me that they were ready to call it quits. They were ready to be done. And by their testimony to me even three weeks ago, they said, I can't believe I had let myself get so low. But he fixed his eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of his faith, and he is thriving. Some of the most incredible things that have happened because of God's power at our church in 2020, have been through an individual who got right with the Lord, embraced the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, and moved out of the pit of despair and into freedom. And that's our next sermon series. It's titled Security. And we'll be starting it somewhat time soon. But what if you were alone? What questions would your faith evoke? Let me take you to Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. Turn there with me, if you will. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. And, and I really want to encourage you in this. The writer of Hebrews is quoting the Old Testament. He says, Keep your life free from the love of money 
and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear for what can man do to me. In some ways, brothers and sisters, as I stand and I preach and other preachers preach and maybe you lead a Bible study, whatever it is, sometimes I wonder what the effective ability of that scripture is in your life. If it just comes across as words to you. Can I just simply share with you those very words completely surmise the individual I was just talking about. And they are living in freedom, not fear any longer because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Were you alone this year? You didn't need to be. Jesus has made the promise I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So we need to look at that moving forward. Remember I talked about past, present, and future. We need to look at that moving forward. So let me personalize it on my end. I wasn't alone. God was with me. And God supported me with a great team. I'm going to choose to pick on myself and my world a little bit to create an avenue so that you can consider, think through, contemplate how was Jesus faithful with you this year. You're going to be amazed at what you're about to hear. In a year where we just had to shut things down, we should have just kind of gone into a, a, a 20% operational mode. Before I get into the details, let me share this with you. I have never had a more joyful year of ministry. I have never had a tougher year of ministry. I have never had a more blessed, kingdom-effective year of ministry at this church since I've been here, other than 2020. And I think the blessed nature of 2020 is that we have talked about, since I can remember studying the Bible, we have talked about what would happen to the American church if we faced persecution, like we read about or we hear about in other countries. First of all, I would be insulting the stories and the reputations of the martyrs around the world currently and historically in the church to compare what we're going through with what they're going through. But I think more than any year in my tenure as a pastor, I think this plays out a little bit right now. That this year we have had to strip things back. We're going to have an annual meeting next week. Do you know our bylaws state we have to have four of these meetings every year? And do you know that every single week that we have a quarterly meeting, I hear the palpable groans by the families here? We have seven people that look forward to those meetings. Okay? But we do it because it's in our bylaws. Guess what? We didn't have a single one of those meetings. And what you're about to hear shows that God was with us. Now, that doesn't mean we forsake having a meeting. There are reasons why we have some of those. And so don't 
Do not take what I said as a reason and rationale to evade being at next week's meeting. It is crucial, and you're going to hear some very important things. You're going to hear from the other people that are doing ministry here and what God has done, but you're going to hear the charting for 2021, and then we have to vote on budget and for ministry leaders. So please do not evade, even though my point is that we weren't alone. My point was, last year forced churches to strip back things that they had put so much effort into, and yet Jesus has promised to Peter, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Let me start with this, my team. Your church staff and elders. So it was my privilege this past year to serve on the elder board with Brad Walter, with Scott Parkinson, with Luke Johnson, and with David Yarlagata. I don't think I'm forgetting anybody, hopefully not. Um, we had a lot of important decisions we had to make. And prayerfully we went through, and as it was handed to us, we prayerfully readjusted the priorities of the church. And I hope, if you're part of the CBC family, you felt that. Now, those things changed as the, as the dynamics changed. And that required a lot of talk, a lot of prayer, a lot of meetings with our team. But I can guarantee you this, every single one of those elders and every single staff member here worked extremely hard to honor the Lord God and to create a church of unity even though we were up against barrier after barrier after barrier. I am so proud. And, and again, I think we have uh, represented that concept out of Philippians of let your reasonableness be known to all. Where do I start with media and broadcast? Right now this room has 1, 2, 3, 4, 20, 40, 60. There are seven people in this room. And each of them has a role in the service today. And I thought that I was going to come here today and, and just have to wing it and just do this and set up my phone. Um, because uh, just this past week, we wanted to honor those individuals. And we gave them last week off. And uh, we had some other things going on that, that we needed to care for some of our staff um, and give them time off. And uh, others, other individuals were traveling this past week, and so I wasn't sure what was going to happen. But I said, Lord, you've been faithful throughout all this other stuff, so the word will go out one way or the other. And everybody showed up. They believe in serving. Our church has not lost its hunger for the Lord and for serving. And for that, I am eternally grateful we cannot do this without the leadership of this media team. Whether it's Justin, whether it's Alan, uh, whether it's Brian uh, French, whether it's Ari and, and Damien being here today, and even going outside of our particular local body in order to give our wonderful Joe Rajeski some time to, to restore. Um, my brother Jeremy has, has that sounds weird. Um, <laughs> really interpersonal. My, my brother Jeremy stepped up on four days notice and, and is here to bless us with worship. And so 
an extension of the church. Jesus is faithful, but none of this would have happened without those individuals stepping up. None of this would have happened without the faithfulness of individuals to to give and support so that we could really make a tremendous change with archaic media and technology and music. And, And there has been so much work, so much effort that has gone forward to make this quality so that the gospel can go out. Can I just share with you that just on our Facebook page, on a weekly basis, we are reaching out to over 850 people worldwide. Now, our church on a Sunday morning has about 100 people here in the sanctuary. So you think about what has happened in 2020. Not only are most of our people tuning in, but our message has multiplied out and there have been individuals that have come into the kingdom because of this ministry. So those sitting in this room that you think you're, you're, you're doing binary work, that how does this connect with the Lord? You just heard it. You are responsible for people being given the, the food, the meat, the encouragement, the edification, the, the harvest the cultivation of the seeds of the gospel are dependent on you and other teams just like you around the world. So thank you, media and broadcast team. I have ancillary staff. Uh, Alan, and all that he has been doing in, in our broadcast over the years. 14 years, Alan. And he's finally sitting Justin has created his own workstation. He's back there like, he's got this thing that's like flying a drone, man. And, and he's using it for the cameras. And, and uh, he's got a smile on his face now because he gets to sit finally. And, um, but it's been a challenge for him uh, to be here. So Alan, thank you. Chris Brown, who has faithfully been here taking care of this facility. And you'll see at the end of one of our media presentations this incredible new monument sign and that monument sign, along with Dr. Cook's message, which you heard, Dr. Cook had no idea what our monument sign was going to look like. Yet, did you hear him talk about the fact that we are a lighthouse to our community? God has continued through people like Chris Brown and others to care for our facility above and beyond anything I can do. Individuals like Dale Momskog, who has been here faithfully serving in doing gopher abatement. Um, He and Chris now have a stencil for a gopher, and and they're spraying in their maintenance shed every time they get one. And so I think they're up to 38 gophers at this point. Uh, Our our gophers might be Mormon. I don't know. They're they're multiplying on an incredible level. Sorry, it's been very intense for a while, and I just thought I would would break up uh, the, the monotony there for a minute. Um... Ruth, Ruth lost her husband this year. 2020 has been incredibly difficult for the Gaines family. Ben went home to be with the Lord. They couldn't even have a proper memorial service for Ben. And yet Ruth has been faithful to do our books. Absolutely faithful. And and Ruth, I can't thank you enough uh, for your service. She's not on staff, but she is. She's on God's staff. And, and without her, we would be a train wreck around here. 
So thank you, Ruth. Our deacons and deaconesses and how they helped carry us through our summer program. Our care team. I'll get back to the care team momentarily. Lyndon stepped up as our uh, adjunct uh, financial chairman. Our financial chairman through the first half of the year was Andrew Redlick. He did an incredible job, but that guy was crazy enough to get married in 2020. And uh, it was my privilege to meet this past week with he and Kelsey and just find out how things are going and they're thriving, which is another beautiful story out of 2020. But in the midst of that, I said, yeah, you're, you don't need to focus on the church finances right now. So Lyndon stepped up and took that on. Um, our worship team that has gathered here faithfully, they're getting a break this morning, um, but they have come and come at an extensive level of tension, you know, to be gathered together even though um, they might be worried about contracting the virus. And we've been very careful about wearing masks and distancing uh, while we're here. Brian French, Brian French came uh, and he's back in the booth. He's doing the sound right now. Brian uh, has just been this faithful person all summer long, all fall, all winter. And, and Brian, I can't thank you enough. You know, and, and I hope your experience at CBC shows you the Lord, not us and our problems, although you're seeing all of our problems. Um, but I hope that you see the Lord through that. All right? Um, student ministry staff, this is unbelievable. I cannot tell you how many Zoom meetings they have had with our junior hires and our high schoolers. And whether it's Sam or whether it's Gentry, whether it's Marianne, whether it's Sony and Shirley who are coming on um, and are excited about that, or Brad and Nancy and Fernando and Trey who have been faithful for a decade to serve on a volunteer level. They're all volunteers and they commit two and a half hours a week on Wednesday nights to those students and it's changed those students' lives. Ministry did not stop. The kingdom did not stop here at CBC. And I cannot thank those individuals enough. Life group leaders. I just was talking with Bob Huffman this week about uh, their life group and how tremendous their life group has been this past year. My life group has been the best I've ever been part of. And if you've been part of my previous ones, that's not a slam on you. My apologies. I love you too. But there was just such a need this year for our life groups. And I encourage you, get into a life group. We're reforming them and restarting them in the next couple weeks. So thank you for those that have sacrificially taken the time to create and lead those life groups. Roger and Linda for handling the deposits each week and recording our stuff. In, in, their, in their late hundreds, right? I think Roger's 180, Linda's 170, and uh, Linda went through hip surgery, and she's our new hipster um, here at, at Concord Bible Church, and they never have faltered in their service to the Lord. And always a smile on their face, and always the first ones to be praying on their prayer chain and faithful to come in at their own detriment, right? What has the message been? If you're over 13, stay home. You're going to get this. And yet they have been brave and courageous, and they do it out of a love for the Lord. You inspire me, Roger and Linda. Our missions team for being faithful to care for our people around the world that are having to come home. I have a stack of thank you cards from our missionaries. 
saying thank you so much for the love that you've given us and shown us through a very, very difficult season of ministry where most of us have had to come home and it's broken our hearts to leave the field. And yet they knew that our, our missions committee was praying for them. And not only that, our missions committee every year sends them gifts for Christmas or money for Christmas. Sends money to these doctors in Tandala Hospital in Africa that are facing unparalleled challenges of a, of a uh, the, the challenges of, of a coup and violence in the midst of caring for people during a pandemic and all the regular differences of, of, of health. And those doctors were so appreciative again to receive a love gift. So thank you to our missions team. The Tongan church, the Arabic church, the Indian Bible fellowship, they have all kept going. They have all been faithful. They have not faltered. And the Lord is doing work through each of those groups. And it's just been a blessing. Our women's Bible study, uh, uh, they finished up in early December. Uh, they're going to be uh, revamping, but they gathered both on Wednesday mornings, but also had an online version. And I believe they went through Ruth or Esther? Ruth. They went through they didn't go through Ruth. They, they studied Ruth. And it was a tremendous time. And even for me, a blessing is with my mother-in-law coming um, out of her norms and her world and, and her friendships and her church, coming up here and being told you have to stay home and yet being greeted by these ladies uh, with such a warm greeting and being able to uh, help serve and teach um, I know it spoke to her heart, and, and it blessed her. Children's ministry. <laughs> I could eat up an hour. I don't have time to go over this. But not only did our children's ministries stick with it up until April, they did so with adjusting for the modified and, and safe protocols for your children and for the teachers. They were dealing with sanitizing the rooms and the supplies, creating opportunities outside of the normal ministry to minister to the children. I'm going to say something extemporaneously here in a minute, but let me finish this list. Some of these things you remember, right? Drive-by birthday celebrations. Family overnight camp out. Some of you were here for that. The drive-in movie night. The trunk or treat. Easter baskets. Christmas bags. Homework club. And for our homework club, I want to say a special thanks to Silvana. So Gentry runs homework club, but we've never wanted her to be alone in there. It's twice a week, every week since this lockdown's happened. Uh, uh, the, coming out of summer when the kids were supposed to start school. And she's been faithful to do it twice a week, but she needed help. And so Silvana stepped in and Silvana's been faithful to come help alongside uh, because the work here at CBC is done through faithful people who realize they have a faithful Savior. Let me share with you an inside story that most of you don't know. Um, earlier this summer, we were having a staff meeting, and I tried to be faithful to ask the staff to be able to share and be vulnerable and whatever it would be. And, and uh, so our children's director, who happens to be my daughter, um, she just broke down crying. 
And as dad, I'm like, oh no, what did I do? You know, did I say something wrong? What? And then I, you know, it's not about me. What I heard next inspired me for another decade of ministry. She was so broken over the fact that she had her kids, her ministry, and the ability to gather with those children that she loved dearly taken away from her. And through tears, she said, I agonize because of my inability to share the gospel with my kids. That's what I want to hear from every single one of my staff. Because that's what the Lord has said. If you love me, keep my commandments. And this is what the church is called to. And so Gentry, you inspired me this year. Because that's the heart of ministry. That's the heart for Jesus. And so she found new ways to reach out to her kids. They wouldn't have necessarily been her preference, but she was not blocked by the barriers of having our regular church norms stripped back. She said, I'll find a different way. Thank you, Gentry. Care ministry. I, I don't, again, I don't have enough time. You'll hear more about this next week at the annual meeting. But we started our care ministry officially in 2020. Who knew? <laughs> God was provident in that. And I remember at our pastor's conference in 2019 in Hume Lake, I got Brad into a rowboat and I rowed all over Hume Lake and, and wouldn't dock the boat until he said, yes, I will lead the care ministry. My arms are like totally flexed now because of that, that engagement. And uh, I cannot tell you, again, I don't have the time to tell you how much this ministry has been valued by all our people and by our community. I'm just going to list a couple things. By the way, this is not just select to Brad and Nancy, but the entire ministry team, which that is another demonstration of how great our staff is, is that we have a theme here in our leadership. Nobody goes alone. Nobody goes alone. You do not move one step forward without Jesus first. But second of all, you need somebody with you. We see that example from Jesus Christ. And so they developed a team Here's some of the things that happened over 2020. Reaching out to people in our church family and providing and caring for their needs. They were faithful to reach out when I was stuck being a facilities manager a lot of the year. And it stole away a lot of my time to do those very things. And so I had a whole team of people reaching out. <coughs> summer community food outreach partnership with the Bay Church. In the, in the midst of summer, in the heat of summer, here was... Here was uh, three, four, five of our people faithfully there two times a week over at Bay Point, passing out food alongside Bay Church Ministry um, to our community that was in need. Many of you don't even know that our, our care ministry and evangelism ministry did that this year. Special all-church Zoom meetings. Those meetings came out as an extension of our care ministry. I've heard from many of you how valuable those were over the summer the initial ones uh, back in the spring, and then we just had our Christmas party. And if you missed that, you missed it, okay? You're going to have to wait till next year, but at the end of today, you're going to see a, a little flavor of that. We're going to pre-roll that or, or post-roll that again. 
um, grief share ministry seminar for those dealing with loss. We've had so many individuals here at, at CBC for, for a, a little flock. We've had many people lose loved ones this past year. And, and there's been an immense amount of grief that's going on with that. And so that was on my heart back uh, around Thanksgiving. And, and I sat with Brad and I said, what can we do? And we examined Grief Share, had a special uh, seminar, online seminar uh, for those going through grieving during the holidays. And so we created that opportunity and multiple families here participated in that. That happened because of care ministry. Prayer and contact support for uh, those dealing with hard times. I cannot tell you how many different ways. You're going to hear about one at the end of the sermon today or, or the, um, the State of the Church Address. All right, now's the part where I'm going to move a little bit quicker. We had a sermon series. Actually, we had multiple sermon series. I don't know if you remember them. How many of you remember the All In series in Philippians, right? So we finished that series out. Uh, then we had a Good Friday service, which was just a recorded service from 2019. I hated it. It was a great service, but I love the in-person and the intimacy of our Good Friday service. And I'm praying that we're able to gather back together again. Easter Sunday was so cataclysmic for so many of us because it was the first big shot in the face about we can't be together on a day that we really want to be together. It was hard. Misunderstood God was another series that we had. Talking about who is God in the midst of this pandemic. Is he someone that we truly should be able to rely on? And what are the, the fallacies that were fed or that we believe in that distort who God truly is? We had our summer series called Let It Rain based off of verse 45 of Matthew 5 where it says that for it is God's it is God that causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. And looking at the sovereignty of God and then looking through the beatitudes of how we should respond in the midst as God's people in the midst of challenging times. Then we had a Thanksgiving series as we wrapped up the Let It Rain series. Then we had our Advent Christmas series as well. And then we had an incredible Christmas Eve. November 11th was a particular Sunday that stands out in my mind. It was when my friend Neil Brower, our district supervisor, came and preached. And I, I let you all know that I really wanted you to show up. And I didn't know if you were going to. We were doing our, actually it wasn't November 11th, it was the last Sunday in, uh, in October. Because we were going to move indoors, and then shortly after that we had to go to broadcast only again. And so... I knew that was kind of coming, and we had started to get a little lax in our attendance outdoors, and I just let you know, brothers and sisters, I want my friend Neil to know who Conquer Bible Church is. From our Tongan group, to our Indian group, to our Arabic group, to our English-speaking group, to our entire family, I want him to know, and I just want to share with you his thoughts on that day, he said it was one of the most blessed Sundays he'd had in a while. You see, it doesn't matter whether you're a little flock or a large flock. What matters is, is God present with you? And he knew God was present. And it was refreshing for him. 
That Sunday stands out as one of the greatest days and proud days for our little flock. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Christy Wagner, our new official office manager. Lynn Redlick officially retired this past year in March, and she did an incredible service to the Lord and to this local body. And uh, I can't say enough uh, about Lynn and, and personally the, the thanks to her. And, um, and so Christy had to take over in the midst of a pandemic. And she didn't think she was going to be, become a, a uh, medical supplies or sanitary supplies um, um, expert. But she just did an incredible job in helping us facilitate the needs that we had here. And, and making sure that you all were getting what you needed on your end. And so, Christy, thank you, Brad, being such a, a, a help by tuning in to Pacific Justice Institute on a weekly basis. And Brad and Joe and our team looking and pouring over these releases by the governor every single week and becoming experts in this legalese. You helped me so much because I'm not an expert in those areas. And so we had such an expertise a balance of, of what we read out of First Peter, right? Of honoring the emperor and the governor and fulfilling our calling as the church and being reasonable to both of those things. And for me to have had to take that on by myself and be alone, I wasn't alone. I wasn't alone. Um, last week I had the privilege of telling Marianne Naum that she won member of the year. We have no member of the year award, but if we had it, uh, she, she wins. Marianne is alone, but she's not alone. Marianne, I know you're listening right now. And I know you're, you're Egyptian, but I know you've got red in your face right now. That's okay. Marianne is one of the most faithful servants of the Lord that I know. And she loves this church body. And she typifies everything Concord Bible Church is. And so her infectious joy, even though she was going through hard times, her infectious joy happened because she kept her eyes on Jesus and His faithfulness. And she knew she was never alone. And her faithfulness to serve here was inspirational over this past year. Let me talk about the financials. I love talking about financials, Jeremy. It's, it's, it's my favorite thing. I, I preach financials here every single Sunday. It's great. We give away prayer claws through the mail. Um, you can get an 8x10 glossy that I'll sign for an additional donation. None of that. We had a little bit of a rough start, just like every church did. And we had to... We had to think, what are we going to do in the midst of all of this? And so we created a new function on the budget that was called a faith budget. And if the money in the bank superseded two months of expenses, then that money, after a two-month period of sustaining that, we would take on additional things in order to accomplish ministry here to people that were here in growing ministries we had to re-examine some other areas of ministry and cut those areas and that was a little bit hard that was a rough start at the beginning of the year but at the annual meeting i announced that if the people were faithful and if the lord desired we would go back to those ministries that we cut 
And our intention was in faith to actually see more than what was requested in budget be given to support those individuals or those ministries. I am standing in front of you or sitting in front of you to tell you that happened. And that happened by May. By May, we were able to give to every single ministry we had to pull back on budget above the asking or suggested budget. And in faith, we gave more. We gave more to Jessup. We gave more to Tandala Hospital. We gave to uh, um, individuals that had their income cut severely because there was no place for them to preach. There was no place for them to speak. Dr. Cook was one of those individuals. And over and over and over, this year, more than any year I've been here, we have given more support in faith to ministries that were hurting and in need. And we did so because of your faithful giving. Churches everywhere were closing or letting pastoral staff go. I let you know at the beginning of the year that I had read things that they expected close to 50% of churches to close in California over the next year and a half, two years. I'm here to tell you, don't listen to those predictions. Don't listen to those predictions. I will tell you that I have multiple pastoral friends that are retired, that, that this year was too heavy on them. It was too much. They didn't lose their way. It just was too heavy. And, and they were about at the end of, of their current ministry calling anyway. So our commitment, we followed through with our previous ministries with the faith budget. We have been in faith budget since mid-May. Much of our technology has come because of that faith budget. Our staff did not have to take a pay cut because of your faithfulness. We were actually able to uh, help support uh, uh, several individuals that needed additional help whether it was through our, our um, COVID-19 response, whether it was through our deacons fund, whether it was through uh, our gifts of our gift cards. Brothers and sisters, I've estimated we've been close between thirty dollars and $35,000 of money going out to individuals in support this year through your giving. I, I can't fathom that for our church. And we are still at the end of the year at faith budget levels. God has been faithful because you have been faithful to listen to Him. We have finished the year with all our expenses, special gifts to people still in faith budget. The increase of ministry here at CBC due to our broadcast abilities happened because of your faithful giving. You're going to choke when I give you this number. We have invested close to $15,000 and we still need about $6,000 to finish up the entire project. Now, if I had come to any of my elders or the deacons or the church body at the, at the um, annual meeting next week and said, hey, I need $15,000 for, for tech stuff, people would have choked. Because that, for us, that's a lot of money. But can I tell you that it was invested wisely? We found out through examining things that we had a set of speakers that had been here before I ever showed up. 
And Justin got up on a ladder, pulled those speakers down because they didn't sound right to him. And we discovered that at least one of those speakers was completely blown. (laughs) And we've been living with that for I don't know how long. And so we, we believe in having excellence here. And in order to, con- to continue this broadcast with excellence, your giving has supported that so much so that we've been able to take care of those things that we have let go irresponsibly for decades in some cases. And the Lord has blessed us in a time that we desperately needed it. And we still have a faith budget available to us. God has blessed. Well, changes in moving forward. We need people to step into these media positions to keep the message going out. As we move forward in this coming year, I need to encourage you. Um, we don't know how long we're going to have to do broadcast only, but even if it's, we're in person and broadcast, we're not going to stop our broadcast. We need more individuals to slide into these positions. We've had the same five to six people serving over the entire year of 2020, and they need a break. You will be trained, and you will have joy in this ministry, and at the highlight, you will understand that what you are doing affects the kingdom. And so I encourage you, contact me throughout the week. How about as your pastor? Well, I'm humbled. I'm humbled to be a pastor. I'm humbled to be able to say I'm the pastor at Concord Bible Church. It's my privilege. And a little statement I have is that not only am I thriving, but I'm in the chair. I don't have time to show you something. You can request it, I suppose. But I don't have time to show you this. The state of the church always goes a little bit longer, folks. But I am wrapping up. It's easy to preach these things if your year wasn't that bad. That statement of being in the chair has to do with an encounter I had with the Lord in 2013. And it was a vision. And even with me saying that, that bristles against my training and my background, but you know what? Here's my training. That was not a smooth transition. Here's my training. And I just read to you on December 20th how the Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream. Sometimes the Lord speaks in those moments. And March 28th of 2013, He prepared me for what was coming. And he let me experience something I, I hope you never have to experience. But I had to face, I had to make the choice to face evil. And when I say evil, I mean Satan. And the message was, while everybody was running, in a state of absolute panic. Does that sound like today? While everybody was running in an absolute state of panic, the Lord suddenly spoke and pointed me back to, and and I I don't know why, but it's a barber chair. (laughs) 
I don't know why God likes barber chairs, or maybe it was something in my head, but there was a barber chair back in this intersection. I was going to have to go back and face the dread that everybody was running from. And his specific message to me was this. If you get in the chair and trust me, you will survive. But if you continue to run, you will be devoured. And so in the vision, I went back. I made the choice. Good, right? And I sat there. But what I, what I faced, I cannot describe to you. I have no words that can describe it. I will share with you that that prepared me for a, a, another indescribable, horrendous moment a year later. If it wasn't for that vision and that concept of getting in the chair, I wouldn't be sitting in front of you right now. The Lord prepared me for what we would face as a family. This year, I encountered that same evil, I think in early November. My wife knew it. She knew when I woke up. And that evil is trying to threaten. And by the way, this isn't select to me. Just understand that. This happens to the children of God, either in covert ways or overt ways. And that evil was very intentional, impressing on me that it was here to take my life. And I would just recommend when you go through a situation like that and you wake up, don't turn to your wife and remind her where the life insurance policy is. It's probably going to scare and freak her out eight ways to Sunday. But that's what I did because I was convinced of what was going on. Three days later, my office window was shot up by a stranger with a gun. Now, that sounds pretty freaky, right? It was a BB gun. <laughs> it was just a BB gun. And it was somebody who wasn't in their right mind. And who knows why they chose that window, but I will tell you that you take what was happening on the back end and you match it on the front end. We're trying to replace that window. I don't think I'm going to replace that window. Because regardless of those events and so many more that are beyond explanation. May 31st, I preached a message here. And during that message, I don't remember preaching that message. But I was broken for someone who was alone. I was desperate. I needed to know that Jesus was faithful. But the subject that he required me to preach on reminded me that all of this is out of my control. Do you feel that way? And so when I was done, I sat right here in the front row and I was holding the picture of the individual that was alone and suffering. And I remember praying. The last thing I do remember is praying desperately for their life interceding, which is what I had just prayed or just preached on. 
I don't know if it was what I would call a Garden of Gethsemane moment, but somehow in the midst of that, I ended up on the floor looking up at the ceiling. I don't remember any of that. Um, I remember waking up. I remember individuals in the room telling me that I had passed out. And I remember knowing that regardless of what would happen to this individual, Jesus is faithful. Jesus is faithful. So as I bring to you this message today, the State of the Church 2020, I mentioned so many wonderful and incredible things. I felt it necessary to share with you just from my own life. This year has been desperately hard. Desperately difficult. And yet I stand here before you saying it's been the best year of my life. Because Jesus is faithful. In close, one of the things that burdens the church is wondering, how is Jesus going to be faithful? When there's so much that I cannot do, I cannot control. I get to share with you a story of an individual that was on my heart. And I had been praying over this individual and many others. I had no idea where this brother from our church family had even ended up. And I was so busy being a facilities manager that I, I, I had lost track of calling. A month ago, I have a story come to me from someone in our church saying that a family member of theirs had been hired to do in-home care. And as they were doing in-home care for this gentleman who desperately needed it, and to the testimony of this healthcare worker, was massively depressed, didn't want to be here anymore. This individual looked, and there on a bookshelf or somewhere close to their bed was a bulletin that said, Concord Bible Church. And this healthcare worker said, How do you know Concord Bible Church? And they said, well, that's my church. And she, she replied, no. What are the chances? No, that's not. Yeah, that's my church. I love my church. And so this healthcare worker reached out to her, her, her family member who attends here. And they said, yeah, that individual is part of our church family. And she shared that this individual was not doing well, but when he found out that God had blessed him with a caregiver that was connected to his church, his life changed around. And so she contacted our care ministry and said, hey, I think it would be good to give this gentleman a shave and get some shaving materials and some other things. Could we do that? And, and we said, not only will we give him the razor, an electric razor, but we're gonna, we're gonna do a whole lot more for this individual. And the story goes, I've seen the pictures, and it's transformational that he knew his church cared about him when he was alone. When we couldn't reach out and care for him, God made a way. 
when I had been praying about not just him, but others that I haven't been able to connect with, God made a way. Jesus is faithful. When I had no idea this individual this past summer was suffering, a different individual, the one that was on my porch was suffering, I had no idea. And he reached out and now his life is completely transformed. God made a way. Jesus is faithful. So how hard was it for Concord Bible Church in 2020? It was hard. Make no mistake. But what I will share with you is that I wouldn't trade 2020 for anything in the world because Jesus is faithful. Let me share with you one more highlight that happened this year. This is an incredible story. I do a great risk at doing this because it's going to take some time, but you're at home. You can watch this. You can pause it if you have to go to the bathroom uh, or eat or play video games. No, don't play video games. This is so much more important. I want you to hear this testimony by this young man who knows that Jesus is faithful. And then we're going to wrap up today with some worship. Let's listen to this. I just want to share with you, Max, that the great part about this is that the Lord knows that you want to be baptized. And so I thought, what a great opportunity. Why don't we share this today on Palm Sunday? And so I'm going to ask Max to go ahead and share with you how he came to know the Lord and what his background was prior to that. And then we have a second follow-up question that works with our sermon today. So Max, share with us why Jesus and how did that happen in your life? Okay, I'm going to share my testimony. It's a little bit um, short. Uh, there is a lot of going on. I can't share everything, but I will share like the very important part. So I was raised as a Muslim. I'm from Algeria, North African country. And um, like I came here on November 2015. And uh, at the beginning of 2016, when I was sitting at UC Berkeley, I met a, like a student. He just came to me. He was a respectful uh, student and he just asked me about uh, if I know Jesus. And uh, as I was a Muslim, and I said, of course, I know Jesus. He's a prophet. So I was thinking he's a prophet. That's how I was raised and that's how they taught us. And uh, uh, through my Muslim background, I know Jesus. And he asked me how we can get salvation after that. And I said, we get salvation only if we do good deeds and we avoid bad deeds. And he said, no, that's not the right thing. And I was like curious to know what's the right thing. And he said, we get salvation only if we accept Jesus as the Christ and Lord. And you know, really, that was a shock for me and because it was a new information. And uh, because we know, many Muslims don't know that truth. They don't know that Jesus is Lord and He's the salvation. Uh, they taught us that He's just a prophet, and uh, there is like something wrong in Christianity. Mm -hmm. Christians misunderstood Christianity, and uh, there is something wrong on them. That's what I, I was I knew before. But you know that student when he was talking to me that Jesus is a salvation and the only way. I believed him. Even I was like a Muslim, you know, but I believed him and uh, I felt something in my heart. I felt he's saying the truth. I felt uh, like a faith in my heart. 
and uh, I was curious to know more, and I was just hearing him as, uh, like saying about Jesus more. And uh, I was always thinking about Jesus. That bothered me because I am the kind of guy that I use my thoughts, I use my understanding. I like to search and to know, not just believe right away, but I was looking and searching. That took for me like four years until I really accepted uh, the Christ as my Lord. I accepted Lord, uh, the Christ as my Lord in uh, uh, the late, uh, like, by November 2019 uh, because you know uh, since I was young I had too much question about Islam but nobody answered me no no Imam answered me uh, um, I always had many questions why this why the verses saying that why the verses saying about killing and something but they always uh, make uh, excuses and they say oh no Islam is like a, a religion of peace but I don't see it religion of peace so i had always this question i wasn't convinced about islam and also uh, i'm algerian uh, in 1990 we had a civil war where like islamists uh, they used politics uh, and they were killing algerians like my family so mm -hmm. we were a victim of that and we were considered not muslims because we were not um, we didn't understand islam very deep like they understood and that triggered my and uh, my thoughts and that that was the beginning to my thinking about that religion and uh, uh, and uh, also i see uh, persecution of christians in the middle east in egypt in syria uh, they are persecuted by muslims just because they are christians and that always a hard question why they are persecuted why because they are christians i was against that and then when I, I had too much research about Christianity, I, I started to understand what's the, what's the Christ, and I understand the reality about it uh, from uh, Apollo, Arabic uh, speaker apologists and from American apologists like David Wood. And uh, after that, I got convinced and I accepted the Lord uh, as my, uh, the Christ as my Lord, and He is the only Son. And I want to mention that uh, God's Muslims is the misunderstood uh, God because Muslims think that it's the same God of Jews and Christians. But I think it's different. It's different God uh, because God is love. God is peace. God is the truth. And um, Jesus Christ is the only son. Uh, amen. 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 So that's fascinating, Omar. First of all, that's a tremendous, tremendous uh, testimony. But what I heard in that was, first of all, someone was bold enough to share with you about Christ. You were coming from a Muslim background and you were seeking for some kind of truth, some kind of explanation, because what you grew up with was in conflict with rational thought. And that's something I picked up on what you said, that there's a misunderstanding by most Muslims as to what, who Christ actually is and that there's a misunderstanding even of their own religion, um, and, and that that's kind of a problem with mankind anyway. But what's fascinating to me is that you approached it with a rational mind, that you, you heard the message first, you were introduced to Christ, and then you kept researching and researching and researching. And so it was a combination of faith. You can't, you can't do this without faith. A combination of faith, but a realization of the evidence of what you see playing out in front of you. Is that true? 
That's correct. So it was firstly fate because I I felt in my heart the fate. I felt the, something when I heard about the Christ. I felt something in my heart. Yeah. And after that, I was researching the truth and the, through the Bible and through the apologists. I started to understand the real um, Bible and Bible is not corrupted. It's the Word of God and it's real. And I was fascinated. I was shocked that that's the Bible is like that. I didn't know. Yeah. It didn't teach us anything about that. So let me ask this question because mm -hmm. people hearing this, there may be a misunderstanding for lack of a better term that, okay, so Omar has switched his faith. He has moved out from Islam into Christianity for him. That's great. But boy, it sounds like he now looks down on Muslims. Would you say that because you found Christ, you look down on, on those of Muslim faith, or do you see them as just simply misunderstanding who God actually is, just like your story? I mean, there is many Muslims, they are good, they have good hearts, and they still misunderstanding. They need someone who can show them the truth and uh, share with them the gospel. Uh, I think that's the only way. Um, uh, and then they can see the result because now I see a result. I see peace in myself. Now mm -hmm. I am convinced I have a peace. I, I, I'm not ashamed that I am Christian. Before mm -hmm. I was ashamed that I am Muslim, but now I'm not mm -hmm. ashamed as a Christian. You know what? You're, you're, the, the Spirit's really talking through you because you just... Well, nearly quoted verbatim our key verse today, which is John fourteen six, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And, you know, the evidence of your testimony is not just a step of faith, but a journey of rational thought and looking at your experiences and weighing everything and coming to a combined um, decision, life decision of faith and thought to give your life over to Christ. And the evidence is just like what we talked about last week out of John 9, where, where all the experts, right, you, you, you weighed in on Facebook Live saying, I'm, I'm glad I'm not a theologian. I'm glad I'm not an expert. I'm glad I'm simply one who's been changed by Christ. And the blind man said, look, I, I, I don't know all the things you Pharisees know, what I know is I was blind and now I see. And I just heard that same testimony from you that, you know, you didn't know peace before. And now as a result of this journey of faith where you have come to know Christ and there's a clear understanding of who God is, now there is peace in your life. That's, that's tremendous, Max. That is fantastic and very inspirational. So thank you for sharing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you too. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Enjoy the message. Oh, thank you. Okay. God bless. God bless. Thank you.